Praise the Lord. Uh, let's open up in our Bibles this morning in the book of Acts, and we are still in chapter 1. A few weeks ago I started, and we're going through the book of Acts verse by verse, and I thought last week that I finished with chapter 1, until last week. When I was reading over it again, and I was uh, studying and meditating on the Word, I thought, this is it, but uh, no, the Lord brought me back to one thing I still want to talk about. So I want you to open up in Acts chapter 1. If you haven't got a Bible, I've got it on the board there for you. And we're going to read from verse 15. Verse 15. Let me just ask the Lord to help me this morning. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Father, if I open up my mouth today and I read your word, just the written word, the Logos, and I put Rima to it, Father, the spoken word, even if I just read the word today, close the Bible, finish, go home. I know that your word will not go out and return back void, but it will accomplish everything that it's purposed for. I also know, Lord, that every foot that's sitting here, every person that's here today is purposed by you. You directed footsteps here today. So I pray now, Lord, that you will open up the ears of the hearers so that they may receive your word with gladness in Jesus' name. Father, I'm going to ask you to help me, Father, in my weakness. I'm going to ask you to help me with pronunciation, Father, and with vocabulary, Lord, so that I can bring this word in the way that you intend it to be in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 1 verse 15. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of names was about 120 people gathered in that room. And he said, men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. We know what happened at that point in time. Verse 17, for he was numbered with us and obtained a part of the ministry. Now this man purchased the field with the wages of iniquity. There's a good sermon right there. The wages of iniquity. And falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his entrails gushed out. And it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem, so that the field is called, in their own language, Akeldama, that is, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, I love it when Peter starts speaking to the people. He's doing what I'm doing today. He opens up the word to the people, the Bible. Uh, you're not here today to hear stories or to hear about me or what happened. We are here to hear the word of God. Is that why you're here today? I'm not going to disappoint you. The word of God. Verse 24, it's written in the book of Psalms. Let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it. And let another take his office. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out amongst us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day that he was taken up from us, one of these must become the witness with us of his resurrection. Those are some of the qualifications of an apostle. You need to read that. You need to meditate upon that. 
You see, when I thought I was going to preach today, I was going to preach to you about false apostles. But the Lord changed the message. But I want to pause there for a minute. Do not be deceived with people coming around these days and say they are an apostle. These are the men. They had to be there with Jesus. They had to be eyewitnesses. See these things. And of his resurrection. And they proposed two. Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice and Matthias. So they put two names forward. And in verse 24, and they prayed. I love it when it says they prayed. It's good to go to the Lord when you have a very important decision in your life. That was not only true to them, but it's also true to us today. I want, I want to tell you today that where a lot of people are today, and they are happy or unhappy, is because of the decisions they've made that put them in that circumstances. And it amazes me that people still today make a lot of decisions and choices without going to God first and pray about it. I find that whenever Jesus selected His twelve, what did He do? You can go and check it up. Every single time when He chose even one, He went away and He prayed. It's important to pray. Last week I spoke about the benefits of prayer. And they prayed and said, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they cast their lots. You see that? I've highlighted it to you in a different color. And they cast their lots. And the lot fell on Matthias. And he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Now, I want to talk to you about this for a moment. Because a lot of Christians, even to this day, is doing what you're reading on the screen right there. They are casting lots. These men were casting their lots and this fell on Matthias. The question is, is it still how we ask God guidance today? Do we still take a dice? Now, I'm not saying by far that they were throwing a dice back in those days. But they were certainly casting a lot. They took chance. And by that, they determined the will of God. With two men. I mean, you can say they had a 50-50 chance to become an apostle, couldn't you? That was the options right there. They prayed to God and then they came to this. And I'm going to talk to you today about this. I'm going to talk to you about how does God speak to us today. You know, you come in front of a very difficult decision in your life. Some decisions are more difficult than others. I changed countries three times in my life. That is a massive, massive decision. Coming from South Africa and I had to uproot, I had to uproot my two little boys out of their circumstances. I had to uproot my wife out of the support structure that she was in. I had to uproot myself. I was still a young man and you could still recover. But let me tell you, if you do these decisions without knowing God, you are gambling. You are just throwing 
something in the wind and hope it sticks somewhere. So people are making decisions just on a fly. And, and I've seen it so many times and I say so many times to young people, do not make a decision when you are emotional. And, and you know, how often can we just keep on saying those things, but still people are doing that. Christians are doing that. They're making decisions when they're emotional. When I'm sad, I make that decision. And I can tell you, most probably, most probably that's going to be the wrong decision. And you're going to reap the consequences thereof. And what makes it so harder is that when you come in a wrong situation, a wrong environment because of decisions you made yesterday, because you come into this environment, some people then start to blame others. Am I right? I don't have to ask you, I know it's right. <laughs> they start to blame others. And, and the question is, how then do we know? As Christians, how can we then, when we come in front of a really important decision, you know, should I go for that job or should I stay in this job? Should we go to that city or should we stay in this city? Should I, all the questions in life becomes, and we say, from the pulpits we preach, Bible teachers preach, prayer meetings and Bible studies say, go to God, don't we? But how do we go to Him? Do we then do what these men did? And cast a lot. Now, do we say because we are Christians we can do that, but we can't do it when we are not Christians? You see, they casted their lots, and this was an Old Testament practice which did happen. It did happen. I don't know about you, but I've so many times when somebody comes around and say they say, Let's cast it, and they take these sticks in their hands, like right over there, and they say, The one who draws that, shortest straw. You are the one, and then you pull it out, and you go, wow, okay, this is... The first one never knows. Have you noticed? The first one who pulls out a story never knows, because there's nothing to compare it against. He pulls it out, and he goes, that looks short, but it also looks long. It's only when the second person pulls it out, and you can compare it to that person, and you go, oh, goodness, he's shorter than me. Or, oh, I hope the next person. I don't want to be the person. Then the third one pulls it and the fourth one. And then you end up with the shortest straw. And you are the one. Now if it's for a good cause, you'd go, whoa, I want the short straw. But if it's not for a good cause, you want the longest straw. So the question is, you know, do we still practice like that today? But like I say, it was in the Old Testament. I don't know if you've known about this term. But in the Old Testament, it was called the Urim and the Tumim. That was what it was called. And it was really happening in the Old Testament. Now, but let me also just say that nobody knows actually what the Urim and the Tumim is. I know and we know that the chief priests, the, the priests, they had the breastplate and, and these were on the breastplate. But how they used that was never written anywhere. We always read in the Old Testament how they casted the lots. It's an Old Testament practice. Would you believe that so many New Testament Christians still operate in Old Testament practices? Still. And I often say to them, the Old Testament is a shadow of the substance. We're not throwing it away. We're not saying the, the Old Testament is not applicable on us. Of course we read the Old Testament. Of course we go in there and we grow as children of God. But whenever you read the Old Testament, here is a clue for you. You will always come to Jesus Christ. 
everything. Even this today. The answer is Jesus. But they used the Urim and the Tinnim. And maybe they had in mind Proverbs 16 verse 33. When it says, the lot is cast into the lap. lap but it's every decision is from the Lord. Maybe they operated in that. They have these two men. Peter stood up now and he goes, we need to fold the twelve now. We need to get another apostle on. Why he did that? We don't know. I think, I think being Peter, you remember that Jesus said that he's going to come and set up his kingdom. You remember that? A physical kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. He's going to set it up on earth and he's going to rule from Jerusalem. But then these 12 apostles will sit down and they will judge the tribes. They will sit down. This is still coming, by the way. And you've got to put yourself in Peter's feet when his Messiah was taken up into heaven. This is why just prior to him going up into heaven, they asked him. They said, when will this kingdom come? What did he say? Jesus. He said, it's not for you to know. So Peter walking away from that with the other ten apostles, they went into the upper room and straight away he was thinking about this kingdom that needs to come. And when we need to be ready for this kingdom. So immediately he started going back to the scriptures. He says, this is what David wrote. David said that another should take his place and let us do that. The only reference that Peter had was the Old Testament. The only reference. This is why they went into the lots. But first of all, they prayed. And these two men were brought to them. They fulfilled the qualifications. So it says here in Proverbs. Now, it's not a new thing, like I said in the Old Testament. These boys might have, might have known that in the Old Testament, the land was divided by lot. And... Uh, Numbers chapter 26 verse 55, he says, But the land shall be divided by lot, by Urim and Timim, or by casting the lot. Urim and Timim, maybe the black stone and the white stone. And you put them in a bag and you go in. If you pull out the white stone, the answer is yes. If you pull out the black stone, the answer is no. So I don't know how it happened. I know that one day I'm going to be in heaven and I'm going to know everything. How wonderful is that? Are you looking forward for heaven? But let's first live on this earth, will we? But we're going to be there and we're going to know this. Maybe they came to a land and they said, okay, this land goes to, to this person and we pull out and we cast a lot. But that's how they did it. In Numbers 26 verse 55, but the land shall be divided by lot. They shall inherit it according to the names of the tribes of their fathers. Not only was the land divided, but also working in the temple was chosen by Lot. 1 Chronicles 24.5 Thus they were divided by Lot, one group as another. For there was officials of the sanctuary and officials of the house of God from the sons of Eleazar and from the sons of Inta. So they were dividing things by Lot in the Old Testament. Who remembers Gideon? Gideon and his fleas. Who remember that? You see the Old Testament was all about these things. You remember Gideon? He said to God, he said, if you will save Israel by my hand, and as you have said, God says to him, Gideon, I'm going to save the, the land, Israel, by your hand. One would think he'd take the word of the Lord. But what does he do? 
He goes, Lord, you said all of these things. Look at verse 37. He says, look, I have put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only, and it is dry all around, then I shall know, I shall know, that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. You know, we look at Gideon and we love Gideon, don't we? I meet so many Christians today who say, you know, I trust in God and I believe in Him, but I've got my fleece. I've got my fleece. I put it out and I say, Lord, if the fleece has got dew on it and everything around it is dry, I know. And then something happens and they go and I go to them and say, did you get your answer? Yes, but I put the fleece out again. It's just like Gideon. You know, he, he says, you know, in verse 38, and it was so. I love those words. When he rose the early morning and he squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece and a bowl full of water came out of it. Then, everybody say then. Yes. One would think you're satisfied, Gideon. Come on. Then, Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me, O Lord, but let me speak once more. Let me test. You see, let me test. I pray just one more fleece. Let it be now dry only on the fleece and all the land around it be on dew. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on all the ground. And now Christians come to me today and they say, but surely this is how it happened. Look at Gideon. So we can still do it. The question is, do we still do it? Child of God. Are you still testing God? The Bible says, let us not test God. You go back, this is different times for Gideon. In Gideon's day, the Holy Spirit wasn't poured out upon all flesh. Now we're living after Pentecost. We've got the dunamis power. Not only that, we are saved by grace. We are baptized into the body of Christ. He now lives in us and He's with us. How long? Come on, you know, how long? Forever. So now we walk with this power of God in us. Not our own willpower, but God's power. We come in front of a really difficult situation. We may need to make a decision. And you know what we say? Where's those two little stones? The white and the black one. Where is my dice? Because we don't walk around with white and black stones these days, do we? Where is the three little sticks? Let's pull one. Let, let me put it in. Or let, let my wife hold it and go, let me pull it. It's the short one. We know God says yes. No, we do not operate that way anymore. You see, brothers and sisters, verse 26, and they cast lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, was the last time that we read of casting lots to find the will of God. That was the last time. So we should stop this. You know how I hear some people pray? They say, Lord, oh Lord, I need this in my life. If only you can give me this one thing. Really, Lord, I will serve you for the rest of my life. Have you heard that before? That is casting a lot. He's saying, fall this, here is my fleece, Lord. That's a fleece. What's the different word? He say, come on, Lord, show it, test I test you, and if it's true, then I will serve you for the rest of my life. 
And you and I know that that's not going to happen that way. No, no. You serve the Lord for the rest of your life when He comes at the cross and regenerate your heart. That's how it happens. So how does God speak to us today? How do we come to Him and get those difficult answers from Him? I want to say today, and if you want to get angry and mad at me, that's fine. But I want to say to you that there's a lot of Christians today who is couch Christians. They just sit on the couch and they want to receive. They are lazy to go out and get what God gives them. They are lazy to open up their Bibles and read. They are lazy to pray to God and ask His guidance. Now I know, I know because I see all the faces still smiling in this place, it's not this crowd. So how does God speak to us today? Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1. You, as a child of God, should know this passage very well. It says it to us. It can't be clearer than this. He says, God, who at various times, everybody say various times. That means various times. At various times and in various ways. Everybody say various ways. That means various ways. In various times, in various waves, what did he do? He spoke in time past. Everybody say time past. Now what does it mean? Time past. It's the past. He says in past to the fathers by the prophets. He spoke in times past, in various times to the fathers through the prophets. And it amazes me still today that there's a crowd of people who run after self-proclaimed prophets. That is in times? That is in times? You can say it louder. Say it, say it for the online audience. That is in times? Past. It's in times past. He spoke to the fathers via the prophets. But he also say in various ways. Do you see that? He spoke by the prophets has in these last days everybody say these last days so you get times past and you got these last days who believe that we are living in the last days if you don't believe that wake up the coffee is cold honestly if you look what's happening around the world we are living in the last days so he spoke in times past via the prophets and many ways but these days he's spoken to us by his son. What is that son's name? Come on, say it again. Jesus. Jesus Christ. He spoke to us by Jesus Christ, his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. So if you ask me today, preacher, prove to me that God speak to us. Prove it to me. I will take you to one place right now only. I'm not even going to say your feelings, your emotions. I take you back to the Word of God. That's it, my brother. This is the mind of God in your hands. This is what God says about every single situation in the world. This is what God says about every decision you're going to make. This is God's mind. If you want to know how God operates, go and read it. Go and read it. Turn to the person next to you and say, go and read it. This is God's mind. This is what He says. You say, but He doesn't know my unique 
situation in 2023. He, he knows. Go and read it. Brothers and sisters, honestly, he speaks to us today. I, find, I was thinking about this. I went to Vietnam a few years ago, and I like to go off the trotting track. You know the trotting track, the, the tourist track. I love to sometimes just go and walk into the sideways and the byways. And then you come to Vietnamese people who can't speak a word of English. None. And I walk up to them, and I try to communicate with them. I don't know if you've tried it before. It is disastrous. <laughs> you know, you, you come out in this, you, you speak English, but you speak it slow as if you want them to know what you say. Where is the supermarket? Supermarket. And then they start saying something. Now, I, I presume what they're saying. I don't know this. I don't know this. I'm, I can't speak Vietnamese, but I, I presume they look at this bald-headed guy coming to them, looking like a big Russian guy, going, and they go and they say to the other person, what is he talking about? Look, he hasn't got hair on his head. I don't know what they say. But here are two intelligent beings, because they are intelligent, I'm intelligent, trying to communicate with one another. And you know what I realized? I just smile. I was actually looking for photos. I couldn't find them. But I took a lot of photos, photos with locals. And there's one language which they could understand. It was a good smile. And I go, hey, photo, photo. Yeah, yeah, let's photo. And you take a photo. At least we communicated. And this made me think, how can an intelligent God, who created everything, who put everything together which... Human mankind, human brain can't even work out what is the smallest atom or the biggest thing. How can that God, that super intelligent God, speak and communicate with me? How? This is a miracle. This is a miracle. It's a wonderful way. You know, again, let me give you one. You know, I went to the army when I was really young and I was just married and my lovely wife was at home. Those days there were not phones with, uh, you know, we couldn't do WhatsApp and all of these things or what, what is it, Facebook, face-to-face -face or FaceTime. We couldn't do that. The way that we communicated was with pen and paper. Talk about patience. And I would sit there, you know, in the army, and I would sit there and love my, write my love letter down, and, and I write everything down and close it, and then I would give it over, and they would mail it, and it would take a week to get out there, and I, I, you don't know. And then one day, they call out your name. Johnny! Whew! That's it. You get it, and you open it up, and you can't. That's how we communicate it. God communicated with you it's a love letter to you but it's not only that it's direction for you and this is how he spoke to us through his son now he says there in various ways in times past you see that i want to make a disclaimer here i'm by far not standing here today and say that god can only speak through the bible because god is god and he doesn't need me to tell him how to communicate he speaks in every which way he wants. He even used a burning bush. You know that? Here's Moses walking through. You see the bush burning. He walks up to the bush and somehow the, God speaks to him. You know, I, I know I've been sitting next to fires all my life. 
As a young boy growing up in South Africa, the Vile River, we fish through the night. You put up a fire, it gets cold there. I was looking into those flames. They ain't voices talking to me, but to Moses, he spoke through a burning bush. You see, God can choose for a specific time, various times, for a specific purpose to speak specific to a specific person. There's a lot of specifics in that. But that's how God works. And he also spoke through a donkey. Remember that. And again, I've seen a few donkeys. I've been close to a few donkeys. Christos, I, I walk up to him and all they go, ee-oh, ee-oh, and I can't make, understand. It's not my language. But in times past, for various reasons, God chose when a prophet didn't listen to God to speak to him through that donkey. Amazing. Can animals speak? Of course they can. So God in various ways, and he even spoke through prophets, but the Bible says in these last days he spoke through his son. Let me take you to Jesus himself, confirming what the writer of Hebrews wrote down here. Let me confirm it to you. We go to John chapter 17. This is the priestly prayer. This is Jesus' prayer. He prays three things in John 17. He prays for himself. He prays for his disciples who's with him. And he prays for you and for me. You go and read it this afternoon as your homework. But I'm parachuting into verse 6. He says, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. Man, I would love to unpack that word for you, but that's not for today. He says, I've manifested your name. To the men whom you've given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your, your word. What have they kept? Now they have known all, all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given them the words. Everybody see this. It says word and I've given them the words which you've given me. And they have received them. They have received them. That's a critical part of this verse. They've received them. Question is, are you receiving the word of God today? He says, and they have known surely that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. You see, let's come back to our Greek brother. In the English, we've only get one word for word. It's word and words. Plural and uh, singular and plural. But in the Greek, it's different. I love the Greek. Did I say that before? You see, for the word here in Greek is the word logos. And logos is the written word. So you have in your hands the logos. This is the written word. Now, let me explain something to you. If you put this into your home, into your bookshelf, it's the logos sitting in and amongst all of the rubbish this whole world can dish up in other books. Have I said that well? It's the most important book in your life. It is the Logos. The written word. The written word of Jesus Christ's words to you and to me. The Logos. He says, Father, I've given them the Logos. He miraculously put it together that we have it in a written form in our hands. So many different writers over so many different years wrote, and the Bible is a unique book. He says, I've given them your logos. But then he says down here, 
I've given them the words which you have given me. And it's interesting when you go to the Greek, it uses the word rima. Rima. It's not the same word. What does it mean? It means the spoken word. The spoken word. So Jesus said, I came. Who knows what is in John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God, in, in the beginning was the word. That word there is? Logos. He says, I've given them your Logos. He was the Logos himself. 1 John chapter 1. Not John. 1 John chapter 1. What does it say? It says, Him who came. We saw Him. We heard Him. We looked into His life. Who's that? The Word of Life. Go and read it. 1 John chapter 1. That first three verses. That is the Logos. He's, he Himself, Jesus, was the written Word coming from heaven and living amongst us. What were they seeing? They were seeing the written Word. And then one amazing thing happened. And that's what I'm doing today. You see, lying on the pulpit here is the Logos. If I disappear and I go away, it's going to be awkward. What if I would just walk out of the door here now? I'll just go and stand in the kitchen for half an hour. Are you all just going to sit here and stare at the screen? That's it there. It's the Logos. It stays Logos until somebody stands up and read it. What does it change into? Rima. It changes into Rima. It becomes the spoken word. The Logos came down. The written word came down. He lived amongst us. But he didn't just stand there. He started speaking the will of the Father. He started saying to the people what the Father gave him. And they started writing it down. And we've got it in our hands today. So it became Rima. Well, John 17 verse 14. I've given them your word. I've given them your word. But some of them still have it in their houses. And it, and it attracts dust. Now I've given them your word and the world has hated them. What happened? The world hated them because they are not of the world. I've given them your word and the world has hated them. It amazes me how the church wants to become, they want the spirit of the world to come into the church. The church should stand up and say, sin is sin. And the, the church should proclaim the logos as it is written without any fear. The world hated them just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Now listen to verse 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Your logos is truth. Let me give you a classic example. Okay? A classic example. We jump to Luke chapter 16. Again. This is not a parable. This is a true story Jesus told people about Lazarus and Abraham. You remember Lazarus who was lying at the gate? He, the dogs came and licked his wounds and there was the rich young man sitting there with lavishness, sitting there with everything. He made it in life. He's a successful businessman. People love him. He gave money to the church and they go, oh, look at that great Christian. You know, this is a great guy. And then both of them died and the angels carried Lazarus to the bosom of Abraham. And the rich young man was in this flame of fire. 
And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, this man who didn't want to know anything about God became an evangelist. All of a sudden. Let it be known that if you meet the real Christ, you will become an evangelist for your family. Because you will see the lostness of the world. All of a sudden, he remembers his brothers. He's doing exactly what he did. And they want to end up in the place where he is. Let it be known that sin has got consequences. Let it be known that if you are not washed by the blood of the Lamb, that you will end up in a place where you don't want to be. And the sad news about it is you will spend eternity there except with the Lord. You can spend time with God. You can spend time with God forever. But this man is now in a place of difficulty. And he becomes an evangelist. He cries out. He says, Abraham, verse 26, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, it's a big family, five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. You see, what this man was asking for a miracle. You, you see, the churches are chasing miracles today. I don't preach to you miracles today, I preach you the word of God. He says, send a miracle. What would be a miracle for everybody? If Lazarus all of a sudden were raised from the dead and now this dead man is alive. Send a miracle. In other words, cast us a lot. He says, send him to our, my brother. So what did Abraham say? He said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. What is Moses and the prophets? Good question. And he said, no, Father, no, Father Abraham, because he knows. No. They won't listen. He says, no. But if he goes from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him twice, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, they will, they will be, neither will they be persuaded through one rise from the dead. So, when he went in, the Bible wasn't written yet, the New Testament. So, all they had was Moses who wrote the Torah and the prophet writings. That was their Bible. But what Abram was telling them is they've got the Bible. Read the Bible and repent. You see how wonderful it is and how important it is? Let me finish today. I come to you in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Because I want to prove to you again that this is the Logos. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Look at this word here. The word inspiration here comes from the word theopenitos. Theopenitos. That's again, I love Greek. It's made out of two words. Theos means God. And phneo means breathe. It means to be God-breathed. It means to be divinely inspired. So he says that the Bible, this, is God's breath. I hope you see the Bible different from today. It's God's breath. Isaiah chapter 55 says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth that it shall not return in void, but it will accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the things which I will send it. Look at this, two things. God speaks to us through His Word. We saw that. He speaks to us through His Word. He said that He's doing it by His Son. 
Psalm 119 verse 105, he says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. But God used his word to guide our conscience. Think about this. God uses his word to guide our conscience. How many times have you come in front of a situation and your conscience is against what you want to do? God uses your conscience. He will speak in your conscience. But He will use the Word. I love Psalm 119. Look at verse 9. He says, How can a young man cleanse his way? How can I become clean? By taking heed according to your, your Word. With my whole heart I've sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your Word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. The word here for sought in Hebrew it means to examine, to study. It includes worship and dedication. I forgot to put in dedication. He says, I dedicate to you. I examined you. I examined your word. That's how you're going to find him. My final scripture for today. Hebrews 19 verse 14. He says, How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to a serving, living God. How does God speak to you? You know, I've heard, so, I've heard some strange ways people tell me. Strange ways. I've heard a lady once said, she was sitting there and a bird, there were two birds there, one started chirping and she could understand the chirping. I go, yes, it is debatable, but there's one thing which is not debatable. And that's the Word of God. It is not debatable. The best book ever, ever written. In fact, I don't want to call it a book even. It is a testament. You know what a testament is? It is a contract. This, this is not a love story. It is a contract. It's a contract that the Heavenly Father made with you. Now you will not understand the contract if you don't read it. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much today for your word. I thank you for the clarity in your word, Father. And as I said before, even if I just read these scripture verses, Lord, your word will go out. It is alive, it's living, it's powerful. It's a two-edged sword. It cuts between bone and marrow, spirit and soul. And it is the discerner of the heart. So, Father, I just pray. Help us, Lord. Help us during this week to think about this message, to think about how you speak. And help us, Father. Give us the wisdom to pick up the Bible and to start reading it and to listen to your word. In Jesus' name, amen.